This past week, my youngest nephew passed a major milestone in his life. He turned 10. And so I asked him, you know, what would you like for your birthday? And he didn't hesitate for a minute. He knew what he wanted. He'd been waiting since he was seven to ask for this. He wanted a watch. And I thought that was kind of neat. Most of us probably use our phones today, but he's old school, so he wanted a watch. I said to his parents, you know, could I be the one to get him this watch? I know I'm his favorite uncle. They said, yeah, okay. So I was 10, so I held off on the Rolex, but I got him a little Timex. It was a very simple watch, not a lot of bells and whistles to it. But I gave it to him, and he was so happy and joyful. He opened it up. Now, if you've ever bought something like a watch that wasn't a Rolex, you know that it often comes with a simple set of instructions. And so I brought that along today. Here it is. <laughs> right? And he tore open the box. He knew it was a watch. He grabbed this and threw it aside instantly. And he just dug into it. And he started fumbling around with the dials. And without ever once looking at the instruction, his 10-year-old brain figured the whole thing out in about five minutes. And he may have set it to Hong Kong time or something, but he got it going. This was useless to him, unless he wanted to brush up on his Chinese, French, Italian, German, Spanish, and maybe Russian, right? Because they, they got them all on here in tiny little script. But this was useless to him. And for any of you who recently brought a computer or some accessory like a mouse or hard drive, you know that these days they often don't come with instructions at all. There's usually just a website printed on the box and you go on and videos will show you what you need to do. It's as if the people who make this stuff have come to the realization that the way we really learn is the way my nephew learned, by just watching or getting your hands on the thing and interacting with it. I'm telling you all of this, not to impress you with my knowledge of electronics, but to suggest that that's not a bad metaphor for the Christian spiritual life. And for too long, I think, we've slipped into the bad habit of thinking that the way to follow Christ is to learn the rules, as if there's something like this that exists for Christian spirituality. Now, of course, we have things like the Ten Commandments, but if you actually wade through the book of Exodus or Numbers, you realize that those commandments, and they're not always ten, depending on which version you read, they're not meant to be blueprints. They more describe a relationship. And yes, we have theology in Christianity. We have moral rules. I'm not suggesting there isn't a strong sense of how you might guide your life by moral instruction. But at the end of the day, that is not what is primary. What is primary is what my little nephew instinctively understood. Christianity is not the engagement with a what, but the engagement with a whom, to actually be in relationship with Christ. A couple of readings we have today, important readings, familiar, we read them every couple of years, and it would be easy to look at those readings and just kind of moralize over them, as if to say, let me look up the moral rule book and I'll tell you what those guys are doing wrong. In the first reading, you have these followers of Moses, and they're all bent out of shape because some seeming non-followers of Moses are prophesying. 
and they get bent out of shape and Moses corrects them. And then in the gospel, we have something very similar, obviously. Some non-followers of Jesus doing miracles and the disciples are all bent out of shape. Look, they're not part of us. They're not following the rules. They didn't sit at your feet, Jesus, and learn from your teachings the way we did. But I think what's really going on here is not simply a couple of guys struggling with jealousy. I think what they're struggling with isn't that these others didn't obey the rules. They're struggling with the fact that they're worried about their relationship with Christ or with Moses. If these other guys also have the favor of the Master, then what does that mean about us? Does he think less of us? Is there less room for us in this intimate circle of friends or followers? At the end of the day, what is most moving, inspiring, or even hurtful in the spiritual life has everything to do with relationship to the person and much less to do with how accurately we follow the rules. The rules are important, but they follow from the relationship, not the other way around. If there's a lot of painful hurt in the church today, it's because leaders, whether they're lay leaders, priests, bishops, or cardinals, have strayed at times from the importance of the relationship with the person, getting overly litigious on how they can work the rules. Forgetting that relationship will always lead us astray. And if we're ever going to get back on the right path as a church, or as a spouse, or as a son, or a daughter, or a parent, it's only going to be because we deepen our relationship. It's not going to be because we find a magic one of these for the Christian spiritual life. So how do you do it? That all sounds very nice, but how do you grow in a relationship with the man Jesus? They had the guy in the flesh, right? They knew where Jesus lived. They could walk with him. That's not who we have. But it's the same dynamic. Think of how Jesus did it himself. Today he's talking about the terrible sin of leading children into sin. But think of other times when he talked about children. He literally brought them into the presence of the disciples. They were there encountering the person of the child held by the person of Jesus. They were forced to think about what does it mean to have care for a child? What does it mean to have a sort of innocent and radical dependence on others. Other times, Jesus didn't teach about himself through giving a homily or a set of readings. He walked right up to the Samaritan woman. He walked right up to Peter. He washed his feet. He touched the lame. He engaged others. Well, we shouldn't look at that as just some movie from 2,000 years ago. And boy, I wish I could see Jesus, Jesus Jesus doing that again. He invites us to do the same thing. And when we come to this altar, as we sang and I pointed out, the bread and the wine become the body and blood of Christ. The song nails it. It's about charity. It's about love. And we can do the same thing. How do we grow in relationship with a person? Engage people. Engage it with a heart that longs and yearns to be in deeper relationship with Christ. When's the last time you invited someone to pray with you? Fortunately, it's not something we do much anymore. Be awkward, a little strange. You could invite them to Mass, sure. But maybe just say, let's say a Hail Mary together. Or let's just take a moment of quiet together. Letting someone else into that intimate relationship that we don't often think of 
as being a communal act. We sit side by side in pews, but does that really feel like the community we share when we have a dinner together, we go to some social event? Maybe just a spiritual exercise this week. Ask yourself, how am I doing in my relationship with the person? Who am I bringing into my inner circle to share and show to others? Some of you are in these communities for the kingdom. Well, ask yourself, when you go out into the dark of night after your meeting, who are you bringing into that circle? You don't have to bring them to the next meeting necessarily, but what is the fruit of that lived relationship that's been growing in your heart? I hope that as the years go by and my little nephew maybe gets somewhat more sophisticated in his choice of timepieces, if he ever finds that his watch is running a little slow or fast, he doesn't just curse his uncle, but he also doesn't think, gosh, where's that incredibly detailed set of instructions that I threw aside when I was a little guy? Oh, why was I so foolish for doing that? And I hope he just seeks out someone in his life who has a watch which works just fine. Maybe he says, let me know how to set this right, because you can. These things don't help much when 10-year-olds are trying to figure out their watches, and they don't help us much as we try to grow in our faith.